Who's ready to get started this morning? We're going to worship through the Word today. It's going to be good. We're so excited that you are here to begin this brand new series called Waymaker. I want to take a moment and I want to, for me as the lead pastor of the church, and just say welcome to all of our guests, first and second time today. Come on, give it up one more time for those guys. We honor you. Thank you for being here. We can't wait to meet you in the back after the service today. Uh, we're excited uh, to, to begin Waymaker and, and to be a part of this in week one. And uh, it, this series is going to be all about the character of God, the power of God in, in your life and, and in my life and in, in, in who he is no matter what. And, and here's what I want to, I want to go ahead and get a challenge out. Uh, to you that to don't miss a week of this service no, of this series I'm sorry don't miss a week of this series I'm telling you it's gonna be powerful it's gonna be great it's gonna help us better grasp and understand the God that we serve right he's not just a gumball machine God that you put a prayer in turn the handle and get an answer out there's so much more to the God that we serve and we're gonna talk about that and what that means for us how, how he's going to use us to change the world. And this, this series was birthed out of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. And um, you're going to want to take notes today because we're going to get deep. All right, We're going to go deep today in Scripture and in God's Word. And we're going to learn a lot. And uh, we're going to get into this thing. But if you're taking notes, I want you to title it this, Something from Nothing. Something from Nothing. You can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start right there for this series today. But this was birthed out of Isaiah 43, 19, and it was a, that's a scripture that I felt God give me uh, when we moved to Kershaw County and moved out to um, Elgin uh, to where God told us to be. And it, was, it says this in the New American Brandon version. <clears throat> it, it says this in my language. It says that uh, won't you see that there's a spring coming forth? So there's a, a source of water, source of life coming up. And he says that I will make a way in the wilderness. I don't know if you know this. There is no way in the wilderness. There's no paths. There's no trails. The wilderness is a run. It's just overrun with stuff, right? So there's a way in the wilderness. And there's a, I will make a river in the desert. And a river in the desert. There's no rivers in the desert. There's very few rivers in the desert. And, and here's what I felt the Lord tell me. He said, Brandon, the wilderness and there's a place that's unkept. It's overrun, it's unkept, and I won't radiate to be the avenue, or the bulldozer, if you will, that paves and cuts down limbs and cuts down shrubbery and brush, and, and we go through, and I make a way to the kingdom of God through Radiate Church. That's what I felt God tell me. And then he said, every river, because I went to that and I was praying through, and he said, every river has a riverbed. A riverbed is the conduit or the way that the water flows in a specific direction. And I, here's what I heard the Lord say. I want radiate to be the riverbed that, that the living water of Jesus flows through. And you bend and you move where I tell you to bend and move, but you're going to be the riverbed in that county and beyond. And that's where this is from because it says, I will make a way. I will make a way. So he's a way maker. And here's what I know. We come into here and we come into church on Sundays and Hopefully you serve and hopefully you're a part of a life group and if you're not, you're missing a, a value. You're only getting a, part, a 25% of what we actually do here at Radiate if, you don't, if all you do is show up and don't do those things. And, and I want you to be a part of more than that. I want you to get to know people and, 
we can bump shoulders and rub shoulders with people and never know the stories that they have. And, uh, and so what I've done is I've asked people throughout this entire series, I've asked people to come and, and share what God has done in their life. And so we have a couple today that's going to come up. They're going to share for about three or four minutes their story and what God's done in their life and, and uh, just a sh- short snapshot of that. And so I want you to give it up today for Mike and Christy Floyd as they come up to the stage today. You've probably... You've probably seen them around and radiate kids or maybe uh, doing some other things. And, um, and, and, and I know they have a ton of stories and, and a ton of things. But I just asked them, you know, if they would be willing to share a little bit of what God has done in their life to show his power as a way maker. And so I just want to open it up and give you guys the mic and let y'all roll with this. So tell us, how has God shown himself to be a way maker in your lives? Absolutely. Well, the moment we walked through radiate and called it home, God showed up. Wow. So much um, within ourselves individually. Mm. Um, I didn't say this for service, but I want to say it right now. Like, I battle with depression so much. And the moment I laid it down here on the altar, he took it away. Okay? He showed um, up. Oh. As a married couple, he, he made us solid on his foundation. And our story was recently um, shared again on Facebook. So you guys can go back and um, view that about our personal story. Um, But recently, we went on a journey. Uh, I felt God was calling us to move, and my husband's like, you're crazy. And I said, (laughs) no, God said move, and we need to move. Um, And he just showed up, and especially after our closing of our beautiful home, Michael's going to share a story of what he did. Yeah, so uh, uh, like Pastor Brandon said, you know, just a short snapshot of of what God has done to be a waymaker. I could be up here until five, six o'clock. If you'd like to stay, I can share <laughs> all the many things. But uh, no, just this recent um, thing that happened was just amazing. Uh, after the sale and the purchase of our house, you know, Christy and I decided that we, you know, after doing our tithe one day, we decided, you know, let's let's give to the waymaker. Let's go above and beyond. I know you guys hear that, so we said let's let's go above. It's it's on us to do this. Uh, so we wrote a check to the waymaker, um, and. I'm, I'm, I said this first service, and I'm, I'm getting a little choked up. It was not maybe two or three weeks after uh, we, we wrote a check. That was a little bit more than what Christy and I are used to doing. We, were, <laughs> we said, let's do this. Let's, let's put it out there. And uh, we did it. Uh, two or three weeks later, unexpectedly, uh, we, we got a, a bonus that neither of us knew about. Um, it just showed up, and it was the same exact amount down to the penny. <laughs> Come on, somebody that we gave. Um, wow. And it, it's just a great, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, it's a, it was, it was amazing to, to be a part of, to live through, to see that. You know, uh, it was really good. Yeah, I told Michael the reason, or you know, why we wanted to do that was the. Not say, God, I'm given to receive him, but God, I'm given to thank you. Thank you for this yeah. home that you blessed us. That was way more than what we thought we were searching for. Yeah. And just to say thank you. And I told Michael, what better way to thank him was to give back to Radiate Church, to the future yeah. home of Radiate Church and the That's Waymaker good. Fund. Amen. Come on, y'all give it up for the Floyd family today. <clears throat> I love that. So good. And, and, and there's, honest to goodness, I, I have the privilege of, Knowing them and, and, and Mike's in a group of guys that I, I get to mentor and, and spend time with. And, 
And Christy the same with my wife and some amazing things. So they've got way more stories. So just catch them in the lobby and just ask them because they could tell you a ton. But uh, she mentioned that there's a, a video that we just reshared on our Facebook page, the Radiate Facebook of their marriage and what God did in their marriage. Uh, and we showed that last year and it was an amazing thing. But man, I love the fact that God shows up in some of the most unique ways to show us he's a way maker. And um, it's not always financially. He said this, um, he, he's made this clear that it's not always financially when you give financially. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. I, I haven't got permission to share a story, but I, I heard a story this morning from somebody that uh, sowed seed financially and trusted God and uh, got a, a miracle, a literal miracle two days later um, this morning. And, and hopefully I'll get permission to share that. And here's why, here's why. I want you to grab this. And this is what we're going to learn through this series, is God's character is to make a way where there is no way. That's God's character, is to do that. God's character, God's very being, God's very uh, uh, essence is to bring miraculous things and to blow our minds. I think God enjoys our faces and our reactions when checks like that show up. I really do. I believe God enjoys our reactions whenever we get a miracle we've been praying for. I believe God enjoys that stuff because he is, his very character is being a way maker in our lives. And in this today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to understand more of God's character and we're going to understand more about his power in our lives. Because I want you to know something. A lot of times, if we start learning about God's character and we start going deep in scripture and all this stuff, I want you to hear me. A lot of times we can separate God's character from what he does in us. I want you to know that there's no way to separate the two. He loves you. He empowers you. He's given you the spirit to empower you and equip you. And he wants to do amazing way-making power in you and not only in you but through you. Okay, anybody? Like, I just believe that that's God. You can't separate God's character from his kids. You can't. Like, I, my character bleeds over into my kids and I'm an earthly father. How much more does his character as the heavenly father bleed over into his kids? So we have to understand this. And to understand it and to grab it a little bit more, I want to read Genesis 1. And I'm, I'm going to read 1, 2, and 3. The first three verses. That's it. The first three verses. We're going to skip around today. So I want you to pay attention because this is going to, we're going to go and, and we're going to dig. And, and, and I like to say it like this. Sometimes we can get into a wormhole of this stuff. And, but I want to dig today, and I want to read the first three verses of Genesis chapter 1. It says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you're like, oh yeah, I've read that part. We're good. Verse 2, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, we can read the first few verses here, and most of you are probably like, yeah, I've heard that one before. I feel good. I'm confident, right? I, I know what that says. And what we can do is if Genesis 1 is in our Bible reading plan, or if we want to start reading the Bible, we start in Genesis 1. And so most times we read it, we go, oh, I know what that says. And so if you're anything like me, whenever you know what something says, you kind of half pay attention. Anybody with me there? You half pay attention. And if you're not careful, you can read Genesis 1, half pay attention, and you can miss the power behind it all. You can miss the power behind it all. Like, we can go, I want you to hear this. Every word, every word, every and, every but, every the, every as, every everything that is in the Bible has a purpose and a plan behind why it's there. 
There's something that we need to grab from this. There's something we need to dig into and understand just a little bit more. And knowing that, I began doing some research on these scriptures as God kind of took me here as we were prepared. I was preparing, you know, about five, six weeks ago for this message and I was praying and God teach me and I went to this. And here's what I began to pay attention to and my spirit kind of went to was the two words, formless and void. Formless and void. And if you go and you research the original translation, the original words that are there, it's not form. I know this is hard to understand, but back then they didn't use the words formless and void. Here's what they use. They were, use two words, bohu and tohu. Actually, it's tohu and bohu. So it's tohu, the earth was tohu and bohu. Can y'all say that with me? Tohu and bohu. Congratulations, you just learned some, some original translation today. Great, great job. Tohu and bohu. And here's what tohu and bohu mean. Like they both kind of mean the same thing, but this is just three things that they mean. Wasteland. So he was hovering, the earth was a wasteland. It means wasteland, it means emptiness. So the earth was an empty wasteland. And then here's the third one that I really want you to grab. It's not just empty, it's not just a wasteland, but it's chaos. So that's what the original translation really means. And so here's what the scripture is telling us. God was hovering over an empty wasteland of chaotic behavior. Of chaos. Has anybody in the room ever felt chaotic? You know what I'm saying? Like, you get in life and it just overtakes you and you feel crazy, right? Maybe you got, maybe you got midterms coming up and it's insane. Maybe you've got, you're trying to graduate college in, in, in enough time. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're supposed to graduate in four and you're trying to do it in four, not six. You know what I'm saying? That was me in college. Um, maybe you're, you got bills due and you got kids to take the sports and you got all this stuff that you got to do and you still got to get, it's like 2 a.m. and you got to get up at 5 and you still got stuff to, you know what I'm saying? Like, it can feel chaotic. Here's what chaos does. Chaos creates moments where we can't function correctly. We can't think right. We don't treat people the same. Chaos causes us to treat people like, like jerks. When they have nothing to do with anything that we're actually going through, they're not even our chaos. Our chaos is internal, not external. And so the Bible is saying, like, hey, there's an empty wasteland of chaos, and God is hovering over this thing. And, and I want you to understand that the reason this is important is because there's a common thread, there's a common three theme throughout the entire Bible. Throughout the entire Bible, and it starts in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and it's this. God is a chaos wrangler. God is a chaos wrangler. Throughout the Bible, God is wrangling chaos. He is, he is rounding up and he is changing chaos to something. God is, is taking an empty wasteland of chaos and he's doing something with it. Let me give you a perfect example. There's chaos happening in the book of Exodus where the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians and they're freaking out and the Egyptians are overrun and, 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 and I mean overlording them and all this stuff's taking place and God goes, no, that's my chosen people. I'm going to wrangle the chaos and I'm going to bring them to a place of deliverance and of freedom, right? And over a course of years and decades, he gives them this, uh, this promise of the, 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 the promised land and he brings them out. He wrangles the chaos of the situation, right? He takes that and he makes them into, skip over to the New Testament. There's a story of a, a young girl who's dead and laying in the bed and she's dead at her house and her dad shows up to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the living embodiment of God and the Spirit and I need you to go raise her from the dead. And so Jesus goes in his normal fashion of lackadaisically kind of going there because he actually stops on the way and performs another miracle. 
And so he gets there, and when he gets there, it says that he notices a noisy disorder or a noisy chaos. And so it says before he enters the room, before he performs the miracle, here's what he does. He looks and he says, the disorder must leave. The chaos must leave. And he goes and he sends them outside after they laugh at him. And he closes the door. Please understand this. Maybe we're not experiencing the miracles of God because we got too much chaos in our lives. Because we're not letting him cast the chaos out to begin with. We're like, no, God, I like that chaos. I like being a little crazy. It keeps everybody else on edge. Don't get rid of the, the mentalities that I've been raised with. Don't change that and stretch that. Because that mid of chaos, I kind of like that, right? It makes everybody else kind of look up and perk up when I come around. And God's going, no, I do miracles when there's no chaos around. And I will wrangle the chaos if you submit to me, is what God said. And it says that when, he, when the chaos leaves, he closes the door. Please get it. He doesn't peek the door. He doesn't leave it cracked. He doesn't look at him and go, hey, when you're outside, you can peek in and see what's about to happen. No, no, no. He doesn't look at him and go, hey, I'm going to peek out and see what you're doing during the miracle. He goes, no, chaos must leave for my miracle to enter. What chaos is in your life that needs to go? What chaos is in your life that has to go outside? It's got to leave you alone. It can't be there because you can't focus on God with all the noisy trumpets and, and people's opinions and thoughts and social media and all that stuff in your ear. Sometimes we need to put chaos out so that God can enter in. And so he wrangles the chaos. Hey, the disciples, we talked about it last week, are on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. The storm comes up. The winds start raging. The waves are crashing over the boat. What does Jesus do? Peace, be still. In other words, we can translate it like this. Not just peace, be still, but chaos, leave. Chaos, leave. He, throughout the Bible, he's wrangling chaos. And I think God's wanting us to pick up on this theme about his power, that he is a way maker. When everything seems to be crashing against us, he can make a way. I was, I was thinking about that this week. I, I thought about something. I thought about a scripture in the New Testament. It's Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse 28. And, and it's one of those scriptures that I've always remembered. I always think about and I always go to. And it says this, it says, therefore, since we receive a kingdom, somebody say kingdom, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Please, we're going deep today. We have to understand what kingdom is. Kingdom is not, if you're like me for a long time, I used to think when it talked about the kingdom of God, I was talking about a place. That's not talking about a place. You have to understand what kingdom is. The word dumb means the condition of. D-O-M, condition of. And then king is the condition of reigning as a king. So when he says, you've got to grab this, when he says you're, you receive a kingdom that can't be shaken, he doesn't say you receive a place that you're going to dwell called heaven. He says this, you receive the lordship, the rulership, and the reignship of God. So that now it's not just within Jesus that hovers over the waters. It's now within you that hovers over your family, that hovers in your church, that hovers in your workplace, that hovers in Food Lion, that goes all these places. Why? Because I receive a kingdom or a condition of reigning from God. Here's why that is important. Because it says the kingdom can't be shaken. Chaos shakes us. Chaos freaks us out. Anxiety comes from chaos. Depression can come from chaos. Addictions are formed because you're trying to hide chaos. Something takes place at a deeper level because of chaos. But if my kingdom, my 
God's rulership and reignship can't be shaken, then that means that he can wrangle the chaos in my life and he can begin to wrangle that and turn something out of what seems like nothing. He can turn something out of an empty wasteland of chaos in my life and he can turn that around and he can make it something which now brings into question and into perspective Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love him. Why? Because his kingdom, his reignship, his rulership, his lordship will never be shaken. No matter what you're going through, it don't shake him because he's the king. Are you with me today? I told you we're going deep. And so we're in this kingdom thing, and I, I love this because when he reigns in us, please grab this, when he reigns in us, our chaos doesn't intimidate him, and our chaos has no place. I want to give you this thought. It's going to come on the screen today. This is one of the most important things that you can grab. It's this. God can create something from nothing if we give him everything. God can create something beautiful from nothing of a wasteland if we give him everything. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that the world, it, he was hovering and he was there and the world was formless and void. He was tohu and bohu. The truth is, hear me today. It may have been a wasteland of emptiness and chaos, but he had access to it all. Maybe today you feel like, hear me, maybe today you feel like you ain't got nothing to give. You got nothing but chaos and emptiness and wasteland and addiction and hurt and baggage and pain and frustration and all this stuff. And that's all you got to give. That's all I got. And everything that I hear and everything I see is filtered through the filter of all of those things. That's all I got. I don't have any. God don't want that stuff. God wants the best of me. No, God wants all of you. It ain't the best of you. It's the all of you that he wants because he can turn something from nothing if we give him everything. The question isn't, what do I have to give? The question is, what am I giving him access to? When am I telling him, God, you can work with this. God, you can do something with this. God, you can, you can move on this. And here's what, makes it, here's what makes it extra hard for us to grasp. Is this helping anybody today? This is what makes it extra hard to grasp, is that in Genesis 1 and 2, you never thought you could learn this much from the first two verses in the Bible, did you? In Genesis 1 and 2, we also learn something. Actually, chapter 1, uh, the whole chapter. I'm going to go with the whole chapter. You, we learn something that's hard for us to grasp, and it's this. God does not work on our time frame. That's hard. That's hard. And here's why that's hard. Because all of us have a watch, and all of us have a calendar. And we all have bills due at certain times, and we all have kids that are only going to live with us until they're 18, 19, or 20, if we're lucky. Praise God. I'm just kidding. We all have our, what the Bible calls, chronos. Chronos is a locked-in time frame. It is our 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It is, we go from January 1 to December 31. That is what our chronos is, our time. But God doesn't work within our time. God works within kairos, which is a moving, living time. In other words, it's also eternity. So that's why sometimes God, and, and here's where we are in this, right? We'll pray, and God, I need you to come through by this date. And God's going, I don't know what that date means. I don't have your calendar. January 15th doesn't mean jack to me. Because God's going, I'm so outside of time 
that January 15th don't mean anything to me. It doesn't record with me. I'm just working with, that's why God can create the entire universe within six days and on the seventh day sit back, put his feet up in a lazy boy and watch NFL. Seriously. That's why he can rest on the seventh day because he doesn't work within our time frame, which I'm grateful for because here's why he doesn't work within our time frame because he sees something and understands something that you and I can't understand. Let me show you what I'm talking about. This is a picture of my three beautiful kids from a while back. My son is, six, is eight years old, and uh, he started playing baseball, and he is like my little, I got too many me's, y'all. Y'all just brace the world, <laughs> right? He's eight, he's amazing, so tenderhearted, so incredible. This is my daughter, six. Uh, this is from, I think, last year, a year, um, year, year and a half ago. She's six years old. She's dominating the world. She's playing baseball now, and she's doing all kinds of great things. And, and then this is my little bean. This is my little buddy. I call him Cully. Uh, Cullen, he's now a year and a half, and my goodness, he is me. <sighs> Whew. Y'all, he's a handful, I'm going to tell you what. And, um, but, but this small frame only captures a small portion in time, right? Why? Because it's a small frame. If it was a bigger picture, you could see it a little better, couldn't you? So let's just say that this frame is our reference of time. And the picture is what's happening in our lives and what we understand. Now this is the importance because God works outside of our frame of reference. God works further and greater than our frame. So it would only make sense that I need to stop living within a small frame of how I always grew up and what I've always known. Anybody in the room today? What I've always been told. How I've always felt. And I probably need to expand my frame of reference and understand more. I need to get in the Bible a little bit more. I need to learn to worship a little bit more. I need to pray a little bit more to expand my frame of reference because you look and see this stud in this picture. This is me and my beautiful wife on our honeymoon. It's amazing. Somebody asked me when they saw the picture this morning, they said, what did you do to get her? And I was like, bro, whatever it took. I mean, look at her and look at me. He goes, were you living right at that time? I was like, oh, well, kind of. And he goes, so you lied to her. I said, I did whatever I needed to do, buddy. <laughs> Just kidding. Not really. Um, it's a bigger frame, so it's a bigger snapshot in time. But here's the thing. The bigger I grow my frame, the more God is still on the outside of that. He doesn't work in my frame of reference. That's also why I don't understand as much as God understands. In Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 5, I'm going to flip there real quick, tells me something really powerful. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Why? I've spent money learning more. I've spent time understanding more because my understanding fits in this. My understanding fits in a snapshot of this. His understanding is outside of all of that. And so if I'm leaning on my understanding, I'm only leaning on my chronos. I'm only leaning on my understanding of the situation in the moment. And that's why I become selfish. Because everything I understand then turns inward all about me. 
And God doesn't want us to live that way. God wants us to live so unselfishly and so servant-minded that his kairos is what we worry about. That's why sometimes it takes six months for an answer to come, and sometimes it takes six hours. But it's not because he's working on your time frame trying to make you wait. It's because he's working on his eternity. And he's got access to something you don't have access to. And it may not fit in your frame, but it fits in his plan. And if it fits in his plan, then it don't have to fit in my frame because I'm not worried about understanding it. I'm worried about following him. He's a way maker. He's a miracle where I can't understand some of the miracles I've heard. I've got a guy sitting in this church right now very close to me that I love very dearly who had cancer spots for six years. He went back for a checkup this year and they were gone. You know why? I don't have to understand that. He's a way maker. It's in his time frame, not mine. I've got a friend who had a colonoscopy who found polyps of cancer. He went back after we prayed for him two days later. They weren't there anymore. Why? He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. I don't have to understand that. But if it has to fit in my frame of reference, then I'll discount everything that he works within that I don't understand. That's why I can read scripture today and next year, go read the exact same scripture and get something completely different. Because he's working even when I don't feel it. Even, I ain't singing it, y'all go home. <laughs> even when I don't see it, he's working. Why? Because he works outside of my frame of reference. Because I don't need a God that works in mine. Because then I become my God. You know why we get addicted to things? I have an addictive personality. I'll get stuck on something quick. Like I'll be on a video game. I'll be on something all the time. You know why we get addicted to things? Because we get stuck on what we understand. God, don't take your kairos. Don't take your eternal time and stretch what I already know in my infernal mind. In my mind that won't last. Is this helping you today? It's, it's there. And then I love this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. I told you we were flipping back and forth today. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 5. It's interesting. He creates the world. He's creating the world and he's rested. And then verse 5 takes place. And it says this. No, no shrub of the field was yet in the earth. And no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth. And we read that and we're like, yeah, that makes sense. There's no water. There's no life. But then he says this, not only because it hadn't rained, but also because there was no man to cultivate the ground. Let me break this down. Cultivate, care for, to bring life about. In other words, he goes, I'm not bringing life in the earth because there's no one that is willing to sustain it for generations. If we want a move of God, who's willing to cultivate it? Who's willing to work the ground of prayer? Who's real, willing to beat the, the, the ground of inviting people all the time? Who's willing to work the ground of believing in somebody? Who's willing to work the ground of forgiveness? Who's willing to cultivate the atmosphere of expectation? Who's willing to set up and tear down in a school until we build our home and we have a place to call home? Who's willing to pray over your kids when you don't know what to pray over your kids? Who's willing to care about your heart enough to say, I want want your eternity secure and taken care of 
Who's willing to say differences won't keep me from the reignship of God? He said, I didn't bring life on the earth yet because there was no rain, but, but also because even if there was rain, there'd be nobody there to cultivate and sustain it when it came. What if God is reigning in our generation, in our town, in our county? Well, good, life comes. But God clearly says, if there's no one willing to cultivate it, I won't let it sprout. Can I be real? I believe in this area. I believe this about every area we're called to right now that I know about. That there's raining that is bringing life. But the sprouting is dormant. Because he's waiting on people that are willing to do something about it. I believe that with everything. You can clap for that. That's fine. Anything God ever wanted to do through the earth, he brought someone. He wanted redemption and salvation. Who did he bring? Jesus. He wanted to free the Israelites. Who did he bring? Moses. Moses looked at him and said, I can't do this. I can't even talk straight. He goes, good. You got a, you got a brother named Aaron. He'll be your mouthpiece. He looked at Noah and said, I need you, I, the world's about to experience something that's never experienced before, so I need you to do something that's never been done before. I need you to build an ark. Noah's like, not me. He's like, y'all, yeah, you. Come on. He looks at Nehemiah. He says, hey, I need you to rebuild an entire city that was, down, that was broken down and burnt down. I need you to rebuild the whole city. He looks at Jesus. He says, I need to redeem mankind. Let's go. Jesus then looked, and then he looks at, at the disciples, and he looks at Paul, and he looks at Peter, and he looks at all these guys, and he goes, hey, you, I need you to build the church that my son just died for. And I believe he's looking at us, and he's going, hey, you, I need you to build the church that my son died for 2,000 plus years ago. I want you to build it and bring people to, everything God does on the earth comes through someone. That's why he says this, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please understand this. And I'm closing right after this. He says, he doesn't say my literal resting place that you will go to come to earth. No, he says my reignship, my rulership, my power and anointing come to earth as it is in the heavenly place called heaven. He separates his power from his place. I'm not, when I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I'm not praying, hey God, will you bring the mansion you built for me down here? No, I'm praying, God, let me walk in the anointing that you've given me through the reignship and the rulership of your, king, because, of your kingdom because you are the king and I submit my life to you. And when I submit my life to you, please grab this, it's going to come on the screen. When I submit my life to God, God can make a way. Where there is no way. When everything is void, when everything is wasteful, 
When everything is empty, when everything is painful, when everything is hurtful, when everything is chaotic, when everything is confusing, please rest assured, you serve the way maker. You serve the God of chaos wrangling. You serve the God that makes a way where there is no way. You serve the God that takes everything and makes something out of it even when it's nothing. You serve the God that looks at you in your mess and sees a masterpiece. You serve a God that looks at you when you can't make sense of it it says I work within eternity I don't work within your time frame of reference I work within mine and I need and want you in the kingdom I want you in the heavenly places you have please hear me there's a debate going on in religious circles today about whether women have a role in the church and in leadership. Please hear me, ladies. You have a purpose. You have a promise. You have a voice and you have authority given from God. The first person Jesus went to when he resurrected from the dead was a woman to go spread it throughout the earth. Don't tell me they don't have a voice. Hear me today. You are not too addicted to be used. You are not too depressed. You are, you are not too anxious. God is looking for someone to cultivate the ground that he is going to sprout the earth from. He is going to sprout life from. Get rid. In fact, I want to challenge you this week to pray this prayer. I don't know why I'm doing this today. Pray this prayer. God, take my mind and throw it away and bring me into the kingdom and heavenly places to understand things I've never understood, to know things I've never known and declare things that I'm just understanding. Would you stand to your feet today? It suddenly got hot in here. We are not here to gather on Sunday and live like hell Monday through Saturday. We are here to bring kingdom as it, as it is in Elgin. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Elgin as it is in heaven. In Lexington as it is in heaven in Casey as it is in heaven in Florence as it is in heaven I just I'm going to begin declaring cities that we're going to draw from I'm going to start saying on 1464 Whiting Way the future home irradiate as it is in heaven I'm just telling you man God's going to do something but he wants to be a way maker in your life because he won't do something through you that he hasn't done to you. So here's what I want to ask with heads bowed and eyes closed and you pray with me today. If there's anybody in the room that would say, Pastor, I've heard about a God that makes a way in chaos and I just need to submit my life to him. I need to give him everything I've got to didn't mean it when I did it before I walked away from it or never prayed it but now I just want to give him my empty wasteland my void my chaos my life and I just want to declare that I'm a walk with him every every step of the way this isn't you saying you'll be perfect this is you saying I submit to the king if that's you 
Would you slip your hand up right where you are? I will not call you forward or, or embarrass you, but as your hand is up, as your hand is up, we're going to slip a clipboard in your hand just to get some information so we can walk together in this. I submit my life to you for salvation. I give you all that I have. Now here at Radiate, we do this every week. We pray this together because we believe we're a family. So I just want you to pray this out loud with me. If you raised your hand, pray this and believe it in your heart. Everybody say this. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. Thank you for dying for me. I ask for your forgiveness. Walk with me every day. Help me walk with you every day. I love you. Thank you for making room for me in your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, can we make some noise for three people that gave their lives to Jesus? I just want to pray over you. God, we honor you. We worship you. You are the God of gods. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. You are it all, God. And today, we just pray that you'd help us walk out of here different than we walked in. Let us walk out of here with the power of the reignship and the rulership of God. God, let us walk out of here and you begin to make ways where there seems to be no way. We will cultivate and we will grow. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, grab your invites. Bring somebody with you. Let's go change the world. See you next week.